All right, how's it going? Man, it's good to be here with you. You can go ahead and be seated. I want to welcome you this morning. My name is Chris, one of the pastors here at Crossroads Church. And uh, you know those dreams that you have where you, you, you can't do something that you want to do, like when you try to scream and you just can't do it? You know what I'm talking about? Or you try to run away? Or for me, it's, uh, I have this recurring dream where I'm driving and I'm trying desperately to push the brake and it just doesn't, nothing happens. And I find myself just like pushing on, you know what I'm talking about, those dreams? Or how about those things in life where, where you want to do something, uh, but, sorry, you, you want to stop doing something, but you can't stop. Like procrastination. Any professional procrastinators in here? All right, students that just finished school. Like how many of you waited till the last day to like finish your studying and projects and all that stuff? Okay, we got a couple honest people in here. Uh, well, you know, I'm, I'm not a big procrastinator, but there are some things I will procrastinate on. Usually it has to do around like if I like doing it or not, right? Like if I like doing it, I don't procrastinate. But if I hate doing it, that's when I become a professional procrastinator. For me, that is painting. I, I hate painting inside our house. It's just the worst thing. It's the worst thing when it shows up on my honey-do list. I'm just like, uh, you know, scratch that out, put it down at the bottom or whatever. Uh, but just to kind of give you an idea, about seven or eight years ago, we repainted uh, the entire main level of our house and up the stairs and, and upstairs. And uh, I mean, there's a lot of work. We also bought a, a, a five-gallon bucket of ceiling paint that never ended up getting used. Our ceiling still has paint uh, marks from the previous color before eight years ago. That's how much I like to procrastinate painting. All right, anybody with me on painting? Okay, yeah, it's the worst thing. Well, if you are a procrastinator, uh, Mark Twain actually had a pretty good quote about procrastinating. Uh, never put off till tomorrow what may be done the day after tomorrow just as well. All right, so maybe some of you can, can use that later on. You know, we've all felt that tension, that dividedness of, of not being able to do something that we want to do or, or, or doing something that we want to stop doing. And I wonder if that's what Paul felt when he wrote these words in Romans chapter 7. He says this, For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the, the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Does that resonate with you? So what is that thing for you? What, what is that thing? The, the thing that comes up that, that you don't want to keep doing, the, the thing that you want to stop doing or that you want to start doing, but you just cannot seem to figure it out. I mean, have you ever wondered, like, how did I get here? Some of you might be feeling as you walk in this morning that in life, you're just kind of stuck. Man, how did I get so stuck? For others of us, maybe we've been following Jesus for a long time, and you've tried and tried, and you've made promise after promise, but nothing actually helps, and, and you just kind of keep reverting back to the same thing, sort of like a broken record. You see, today we're starting a brand new series called Breaking Chains, and for three weeks, we're going to be talking about recovery. Now, immediately when I say that word recovery, some of you, uh, your mind goes to recovering from, you know, the, the big things, right? Like there's, there's the big things that we need recovery from, like alcohol or, or drug addiction, right? And, 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 and maybe some of you are thinking, well, because I, I'm not struggling with the, the big things, that, that this series isn't for me. 
But there's this uh, ministry that we actually started uh, in February that meets at the community center called Celebrate Recovery. And uh, Celebrate Recovery is around the world. Thousands of different groups all over the world. Millions of people over the last 30 years or so have gone through Celebrate Recovery and found freedom from a, from a lot of things. And did you know that out of all those millions of people, only 30% of them uh, went to Celebrate Recovery for drugs or alcohol? That when it comes to recovery, it's more than just the, the, the big things. That there's a, a lot of things that we can be recovering from. In fact, if you're interested in Celebrate Recovery, we have a table out in the lobby. You can stop by and, and chat with some of our leaders. Uh, you can get some information if you would like. But, but here's the thing. So recovery, uh, it doesn't just mean drugs and alcohol. In fact, here's a working definition that I'm going to use today and for the next three weeks. It's this. It's the recovery is the with God journey of recovering, redeeming, and restoring those parts of our lives that need healing. It's as simple as that. Is that recovery is the with God journey. We, we join him in the work of recovering, of redeeming, and restoring those parts of our lives that need healing. So wh what is that for you? Here's, here's a couple of options. Maybe, maybe you have some out-of-control anger that you don't know what to do with. Maybe you find yourself jealous all the time or, or overspending. Maybe you're on your phone too much or addicted to social media. Maybe you have just kind of a low-level uh, uh, um, presence of resentment all the time. Maybe codependency, which is, which is trying to control other people's lives. Are you lonely all the time? Are you worried all the time? Are you worried about what other people think of you all the time? Now, there's still some of you that think, well, maybe none of those really resonate with me. And, and Chris, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. Like, I don't know that I need any recovering. Like, you know, I've been following Jesus for a long time. Like, I've, I've kind of arrived, and I'm just kind of coasting off until, uh, and for the rest of my days, I don't, I don't need any help. Uh, my son and I, uh, we share the same love for, like, dry humor. Anybody, any fans? Dry humor? Like, sarcastic satire, right? So Monty Python and the Holy Grail, any fans? Okay, more than the first service. They're like, who? And I'm like, oh, this is going to go badly. So it may go badly in here. Uh, but we, we, we like to watch the Monty Python and the Holy Grail. And if you remember uh, this part of the movie where King Arthur and his trusty sidekick Patsy with the coconuts, you know, that makes it sound like he's riding a horse. They're, they're skipping through the, the, the forest, and they come to the bridge. And at the bridge, there's a, a knight uh, that goes by the name of the Black Knight who guards the bridge, and he tells King Arthur, none shall pass. Remember the scene? And, and so King Arthur's trying to work with him, and he's like, nope, if you want to pass, you got to fight me. So they both pull out their swords, and they start fighting, right? And King Arthur cuts off one of his arms. And the black knight then picks up the sword with his other arm, and he starts fighting him. And, and so King Arthur comes in and cuts off his other arm. And so now the black knight doesn't have any arms, but he has legs. And King Arthur's like, come on, just give up. And he's like, no, come back here, I'll kick you. So they start fighting again, and, and King Arthur cuts off one of his legs. And now the black knight is hopping on one leg, and King Arthur's like, you've got to be kidding me. And, and the black knight's like, come back here, chicken. He cuts off his other leg. Now the, the, the black knight is sitting on the ground, no arms, no legs. King Arthur's like, surely you realize you've lost. And he starts walking away, but the black knight keeps talking trash. And he's like, come back here. Like, what are you? You're a quitter. You're a wuss. Like, I'll bite you. Get back here. Come on and fight me, right? 
Now, while I love the, the optimism of the Black Knight, there's only one word for it. It's denial, right? He was denying everything that was going on around him. Like, like he, was, he, he was totally missing what was happening to him. He was denying all of it. Here's the thing about denial is that you can, we can, de- we can deny anything. We can deny anything, can't we? I mean, we can deny our own sin. We can deny our own habits. We can deny our own patterns. We can deny addiction. We can deny our own wounds that we have. Like, you can deny anything. And here's the scary thing about denial is that when you do it long enough, you start to believe it. You ever experienced that? You see, denial is, is the enemy to our recovery. And you can, and oftentimes denial looks like just rationalizing it. Right? Like, yeah, I know I, I, I'm sinning, but I mean, look at these other people who are doing it way worse. That's denial. Or minimizing it. Like, I, I know I'm sinning, but it's, it's just not that bad. I, I'm just sort of dabbling in it. Like, I'm managing my sin pretty well. It's, it's not that big of a deal. It's all denial. And that is the scary thing of denial. We hate to look in here, don't we? I mean, it's easy, isn't it? It's easy to look around and be like, oh, I know what that person's problem is. I know what that person's problem is. If you're married, you definitely know what your spouse's problems are, right? But but what about looking here? That's a totally different story, isn't it? One of our volunteers for Celebrate Recovery, one of our, our good friends, Sabrina Messerly, she, uh, she kind of had some of this experience and we, we uh, recorded her uh, answer to this. Let's, let's go ahead and watch this. Yeah, so when I first started going to Celebrate Recovery, um, it was by invitation. My husband had been attending a couple times and... Um, Yeah, so when I first started going to Celebrate Recovery, um, it was by invitation. Everybody hang tight. My husband had been attending. (laughs) Yeah, so when I first started going to Celebrate Recovery, um, it was by invitation. My husband had been attending a couple times and um, realized that like I might be able to get something out of it too. So he asked me to join him and I remember going in the first time thinking there's no way that this is going to be any, like I'm not going to get anything out of it. I thought that recovery programs were for people with chemical dependency issues. I just felt like I was kind of walking into a place where I was going to be out of place. And then quickly after that, probably maybe within my two meetings of going, I realized that I had a lot more issues than I was aware of. Um, I struggle with codependency and I struggle with anxiety and um, I, uh, I would strongly urge anybody who is wondering if, the, if Celebrate Recovery or Recovery Program is for you that to just come try it out because you never know what's, what's holding you back. You never know what God has in store for you. And for me, just like the day that I walked in, I didn't even think that I should be there. And six years later, here I am thinking that Celebrate Recovery saved my marriage. It changed my life. And I wouldn't be here living the life that God meant for me 
if it wasn't for the people that I met along the way. And <sighs> let's thank Sabrina for sharing her story, right? She's in here, right? And thanks to our tech crew for making that work. Way to go, tech crew. <laughs> well, here's the thing is that, uh, you know, when it comes to this, you still might be wondering like, yeah, but I'm just not sure what it is. So I've, I've made up a couple of lists that maybe this is kind of scratching the surface of maybe it's just some possibilities that I wonder if any of these resonate with you. Do you find yourself being a workaholic? Is there drug abuse? Uh, do you easily lose your temper? Do you drink too much? Is there, are you constantly rushing around through life? Procrastination, sexual addiction, uh, do you act compulsively? Do you neglect your responsibilities, spend too much money, addicted to pornography, controlling others, uh, obsessing over everything? Do you yell and scream often? Is there unforgiveness there? Is there bitterness there? Do you, do you eat too much? These are just scratching the surface, but then there's more, right? So maybe do you often feel hopeless, unloved, sad all the time, easily frustrated, often angry, overwhelmed, anxious, trapped? Do you feel like a failure? Do you feel worthless? Do you feel guilty all the time, unforgivable, envious, fearful? And the list goes on and on and on. So what is that for you? Here's what I know is that if you walked in this morning and you resonate with Paul's words that, man, I can't do what I want to do and I can't stop doing what I want to stop doing, then you are in good company because here's the big idea of today and this whole series is really is this is recovery is for everyone and Jesus is for recovery. Recovery is for everyone. And Jesus is for recovery. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to dive into John chapter 5. As we, as we begin this topic for the next three weeks, we're going to dive into John chapter 5. If you want to turn there, you can. Before we go there, I'm going to say a quick prayer though. Would you pray with me? Well, God, we thank you for this morning. And God, admittedly, this is a tough topic. It's a, it's a, it's a hard thing, God, for us to take honest look at ourselves. We've done that before and we don't often like what we see. So God, my prayer this morning is that in your kindness, in your gentleness, in your love and your compassion, that you would just invite us into that space. God, that we would, along with you, be able to take honest looks at what's really going on in here. And that in so doing, this would be the first step for our healing, for our recovery God, for the things you want to do in us. So we thank you for it. Be with us now. Speak to us. Illuminate us, for us, what it is you want us to see. And it's in your good name we pray these things. Amen. All right, John chapter 5 is a great story. It says this. Now there is a, in Jerusalem, by the sheep gate, a pool. In Aramaic, the pool is called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades, in these lay a multitude of invalids, that is, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? Now, as we kind of continue this conversation, celebrate recovery, they put it in a, in, a, in a term that's helpful, right? In a phrase that's helpful. They talk about our hurts, our hangups, and our habits. 
our hurts, our hangups, and our habits. And for the rest of our time, we're just going to look at those three things and, and, and kind of look at what, is, what are the hurts, hangups, and habits that, that might be going on in here because they're all connected. So the first one are hurts. What is the definition of hurts? It's the wounds that we get by living in a broken world. Like, guess what? You've been living in a broken world. You have wounds. You have a relationship with any other human being on the planet. You have wounds. You, you, you've grown up as a child into adulthood. You have wounds. Like, every single person, we have wounds. We have scars. We have bumps and bruises from living in a broken world. That might look like growing up in a dysfunctional family, uh, having relational pain, uh, maybe racism for some of us, childhood hurts and pains, maybe verbal or emotional sexual abuse. I mean, if you have any kind of relationship, you have had hurts. And so in this story, right, in John chapter 5, Jesus goes up to this pool called Bethesda in Jerusalem. And you can just kind of imagine in your mind's eye this, this pool. And in fact, there's so many people laying around, right, what they call invalids, the, the, the cripple, the blind, the paralyzed, that there's so many people laying around this pool every day that they come and, and they build roofs over it so that these people didn't have to just sit out in the hot sun every day. Hundreds and hundreds of, of people. We don't know how many, but, but lots and lots of people. Jesus comes up and he, and he, pull, and, and he uh, talks to this one man, right? He talks to this one man. But before that, why were they there? Why were they at this pool? I mean, wh what good did it do them? You see, a short explanation of this is that it was just superstition. See, here's what they believed. Is, is every now and then they believed an angel from heaven would come down and stir up the pool, and what would happen is it, it, the first person that could walk into the pool after it was stirred up um, would be healed of whatever it was that was going on. Now, this isn't scriptural. This isn't in the Bible, uh, but that's what they believed. What probably happened is that um, there was a spring, a natural spring that would come up from underneath the pool, and every now and then the water would bubble. And, and, and a long time ago, somebody started a rumor, right? Like, we don't ever have that happen, do we? Rumors and stories, right? But somebody started a rumor a long time ago that, that somebody was healed, and this is what happened. And so stories grew, stories grew to now this point to where there's hundreds of people coming, looking for healing, looking for their help. This is where they went with their hurts. This is where they went with their ailments. Where do you go with your hurts? What do you do with your hurts? Like, we all, we all do something, right? When, you, when you're wounded by that loved one, when, when, when you uh, grew up in a, in a house that was, that was uh, full of conflict, like, you, you do something with those hurts. What is it that you do? Do you ignore it? Do you, do you shove it down? Do you laugh it off? Do you, do you rationalize it, minimize it? Do you, do you deny it? Do you, do you cauterize that wound? Like, what is it that you do? You see, this is an important question because just like physical wounds left untreated get infected, so do emotional wounds. Emotional wounds that we grew up with, emotional wounds that we carried throughout life that go untreated, that get infected. And then what happens? They turn into hangups. So hurts get infected, they turn into hangups. What is a hangup? It's this it's a belief that we have about ourselves, others, or God that developed from our hurts. You see, it's, 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 we go through life, we experience these hurts, and out of those hurts, we come to conclusions 
We come to deep beliefs. Oftentimes, these deep beliefs, we don't even realize we have, but they're there. This is where bitterness and uh, resentment and anger love to thrive, right? This is where you hear the voice of the inner critic. You know the voice. We all have one. We all have that that voice of the inner critic that, that tells you you're just a failure, that tells you, man, God isn't trustworthy. You'll never be loved. People aren't trustworthy. Don't open up yourself to anyone else. You're just going to get hurt. Just push people away. You'll always be stuck here. You should just give up. You're not valued. You're not loved. You're not enough. Have you heard that voice? What does your inner critic sound like? You see, these are the hangups that we get. Maybe your inner critic tells you that you're the only one with the problem you're facing. Have you ever heard that one? Man, I've heard that one a billion times. Chris, you're the only one. Nobody else has these problems. You're the only one. And I tell you what, I love church. I love church. This, this has been my livelihood for over 20 years. Like, I love the local church. I love gathering like this. But if we're not careful, gathering like this can actually drive us further into denial. How? Because of this voice. Right? Have you ever felt that? You walk in, your life's a mess. You walk into church and you see all these beautiful people shaking hands and hugging and, and, hey, how are you? Man, I'm great. I'm blessed. Like, life is good, right? All you're doing is you're hearing that, man, I, I am the only one with this problem. I am the only one going through what I'm going through. And it can, if we're not careful, it can drive us further into our, our hangups. So what are your hangups? What are those deep beliefs that you've acquired from infected hurts in your life? You see, hurts get infected, they lead to hangups. When hangups take root, it turns into habits. What's a habit? A habit is this it's a coping mechanism that we use to deal with our hurts and our hangups. That's what it is. You see, we were never made, intended to experience hurts. In this life, when God created us, there was no such thing as as hurt. And as a result, when we go through life and we experience these hurts and we we come up with these hangups and we have to find something, we have to find something that gives us some healing, something that gives us even a moment of peace or respite or escape. That's what a habit becomes. What are those habits for you? You see, several of these habits we've already mentioned. Another way to look at it is, is what do you use to escape? What do you use to escape to to find that moment of peace? Maybe it's an overindulgence in in something, an an overindulgence in in food and sex and alcohol and spending. Maybe maybe your habits are are relational sabotage, that, that once you get to a certain point in a relationship, you just push them away. Maybe your habits involve chemical dependency or, or, or uh, controlling other people. Maybe it's sexual addiction, engaging in porn, living a double life. What are your habits? What are those things that, that you do, that you run to, that, that maybe have had a grip on you for years and years and years? Maybe nobody knows about them. What are those habits? What are those habits that have developed? You see, you might be thinking, well, I don't know that I have any habits, like it's, and if I do, they're, they're not that bad, they're not that dangerous. And I would say, good, <laughs> don't wait. There's no reason why you have to wait for everything to get worse before you start getting well. 
So back to the story. Jesus at the pool of Bethesda, all these people hurting. He goes up to this man who's been laying there for how many years? 38 years. Do you remember the question he asked him? It was, it was a terrible question, like a super insensitive question. I would, I've never asked this question in all my years of pastoring, visiting people in hospital beds. I've never, ever once asked this question. Do you remember the question? Do you want to be healed? You see, there's few things that hinder the work of God in our lives more than the way we answer this question. There's few things that will hinder God's work in your life more than the way you answer this question. This is the most important question when it comes to our recovery, when it comes to our healing. Do you want to be healed? And you might be thinking, well, of course, what do you mean? Like, yeah, why would you ask this man that's been laying there for 38 years that's so insensitive? Do you think he enjoys this? Why in the world would you ask this? Like, duh, I want to be healed. Why did Jesus ask him this question? Why does he ask us this question? Because even though healing is available for us, it was still a choice and it wasn't going to come easy. It was still a choice and it wasn't going to come easy. Easy. What do I mean? Now just imagine this man, right? People, his friends or family, whoever brings him to this pool every day. He sees the same faces sitting around the pool that he has for, for the last several years, right? I mean, he has a routine. He begs for money. This is how he makes a living. He, he has his community around the pool. I mean, isn't it interesting that our hurts, habits, and hangups lead, lead to our, uh, like our community often reflect the same hurts, hangups, and habits that, that we have, right? So here he is with his community and, and his way of life. If he were to get healed, it would cost him. Why? Because no longer could he come and sit at this pool looking for healing. It would cost him his community. He'd probably find new friends, right? It would cost him uh, the way he spent his time every day. He'd probably have to get a job and start providing for himself. He would have to learn how to function, learn how to walk. I mean, these are the things that it, would, that it was going to cost him. Isn't that, isn't that strange that sometimes our healing is costly? We want it, but maybe we don't want it. What would make healing hard for you? Is there a, a, a confession that you need to make that's just terrifying you. That, that, that first step of bringing something to light, like that's too hard. Or, or maybe for some of us, it's, it's forgiving that person that hurt us so badly as a child. Maybe it's letting go of the bitterness, resolving a conflict. Maybe it's just the, the muscle memory. Like we get so used to over time, uh, coping with our pains and in these habits, that there's just this muscle memory to these bad habits we have, trying to find new ways to spend your time and, and energy. Or maybe it's just the emotional strain. You know, sometimes when we, when we medicate our, our hurts and hangups with these bad habits, we actually stunt our growth. That over time, we, we actually don't grow emotionally and relationally and, and spiritually. And maybe that just feels too hard for you. Maybe there's just some vulnerability that just scares you to death. Or maybe your hurts, hangups, and habits are, are like a strange, familiar friend. They've just gotten so used to them that, that they just provide comfort. You know they're, they're, you know they're, they're bad company, but, but they've become friends. 
Or maybe for some of us, you just feel like you're too far gone. Yeah, Chris, that's great for some people who are really struggling or, or you know, or who are younger in life or, or, or whatever. But Chris, I've been struggling with this for years and years and years. And, and man, the road is too long. The road is too steep. Like, I'm not sure I can make that. Like, all of the pain that's going to cause for me to, to try to find healing in this way. Like, I, I think instead I'm just going to sort of set sail and, and finish out my day. It's just kind of continuing to hide my stuff. Next week, I want to give you just a little bit of a preview. Uh, my friend named Jack is getting baptized. I'm not going to tell you the whole story. You got to come back and you got to hear it for yourself. It's going to be amazing. His testimony is amazing. But, but Jack is in his 70s and for over 60 years, his words, living double life, living stuck. And here he is in his 70s getting baptized because he's found a new freedom in Christ. My friends, it's never too late. It's never too late. Do you want to be healed? Back to the story, this man answers Jesus in John chapter 7, or 5, verse 7. It says this. <clears throat> so the sick man answered him and said, Sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm going in, another steps down before me. And Jesus said, Get up, take your bed, and walk. There's two things I want to point out here is this, is that first this man realized that he couldn't do it on his own. Did you catch that? He said, Jesus, I have nobody. Like, I have nobody to help me. I have nobody to do this with me. I, I can't do this on my own. I, I cannot move. Jesus, I have nobody. And you know what? He's right. <laughs> you can't do it on your own. And then the second thing, Jesus says to him, Get up, take up your bed, and walk. My friends, this is the invitation that Jesus has for you today. Get up. Get up. Leave the old behind. Like, leave the past behind. Leave those hurts, habits, and hangups behind. Get up and, and pick up your bed and walk with me. Like, walk in this new way. You see, this man had to trust that Jesus could do it. He realized he couldn't do it on his own, and he had to trust Jesus to do it. So what about you? These four questions that I've asked, I want us to leave on the screen for a moment, and I want us to just think about, like, where do you go with your hurts? Do you want to be healed? Do you realize that you can't do it on your own, and are you willing to trust Jesus to do it? You see, these are super important questions and in the coming weeks, we're going to be looking at what it means to find freedom and to, to walk in freedom. Oftentimes, that's where we jump too quickly. Like, help me just get over this really quick. But we cannot skip this first step of coming out of denial, taking a, a, an honest, long look at what's going on in here, and answering these questions. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. God, thank you that you came to us. God, that you offer us a new way, that, that you desire to walk the road of recovery along with us, recovering, redeeming, and restoring those parts of our lives that, are, that, are, that need healing. And so, God, to that we say yes. God, do we want to be healed? Yes. It's scary, yes. It might be a long road, yes. It might be a hard road 
road, but yes, God, we want to be healed. And Father, there's many in this room who maybe haven't made that first step of of wanting to follow you, to trust you. God, we thank you that the invitation's always open, that it's a simple matter of us saying yes. So God, for those who are ready to make that decision today, God, would you meet them where they're at? God, would you shower them with your peace and with your love and with your forgiveness that they would sense your presence today? And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, maybe today you're wanting to take that first step in trusting Jesus, then just simply text the name Jesus to this number and we'll be in touch with you. We'd love to encourage you to walk that road with you to help you start to grow in your faith and what that looks like. Every week we take a moment just to to stop and remember the sacrifice of Jesus, that this is what makes all of this possible. (laughs) Like what we remember with the bread and the cup is, is what makes all of this possible. Without this, there is no healing. Without this, there is no recovery. Without this, there is no future or forgiveness. It's all about Christ and what he has done for us. So with the bread, we remember his body that was broken and given for you. Let's remember together. And with the cup, we remember his blood that was poured out for you, the power of God for not only the forgiveness of sin, but for the recovery that we're, le- that we're looking for. Let's remember together. Friends, we're going to spend some time now responding to our good God in singing and in prayer. If you would like to pray with someone, we're going to have people uh, under the banner in the back who would love to, to pray with you. Please feel free over the next 15 minutes or so to make your way over there. Let's all stand together as we sing.